this does not sound thrilling. I mean, you know, we, we do in IT here in the state, we, we love to talk about the, the cool projects, you know, fiber to the home, um, uh, cities that are using cool ways to, to reach um, citizens in their homes through Facebook Live and stuff like that. We love to talk about some of the newer innovative uses of technology, but, you know, this is not that conversation. And, you know, why is that? I mean, why do we have to start with this, with process mapping, with printing out of these big dry documents and sticking them on a wall? You're listening to OMAG All Access, a podcast about all things affecting municipalities in Oklahoma. Hosted by OMAG Director of Technology Services, Kevin Seesock. You're listening to the OMAG All Access Podcast. This is Kevin Seesock. I'm the Chief Information Officer of OMAG. I'm sitting here today with Chad Noland from Future Point of View, also lovingly referred to as FPOV. They're our IT strategy firm and uh, have helped us immensely in the past with a variety of IT projects and, and strategic IT planning. I asked Chad over here today uh, to discuss with us some of that, that bigger IT planning needs. And Chad, maybe you can take a minute to introduce yourself and, and why what we're about to talk about is going to be uh, kind of boring. <laughs> well, first of all, thanks for having me, but uh, can be a little bit dry. It helps to have a bit of a personality for sure. <laughs> Um, but no, thanks again, Chad Noland, uh, Senior Vice President and Partner um, at Future Point of View. I am over what we call our business strategy efforts and really oversee software replatforming efforts, these big initiatives that we um, really uh, have to gear up for and get ready, as well as the things that are more granular, such as process mapping. Uh, and really trying to create that fertile ground, if you will, before you take that big leap into a large project or transformation effort. Mm -hmm. And when you're, when you're talking transformation effort, we, you know, we, we often talk about digital transformation, but the idea that we're going to move maybe from a paper-based process or um, old, ancient, archaic IT systems into something new, maybe web-based that gives, um, in our case, members, in our city's cases, citizens, uh, access to information online, things will be more efficient, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of really what FPOV is about, not to make this all about us. But if you're wondering, really, we're kind of consider ourselves as a thought leading boutique firm that helps leaders create that future vision and uh, really with their business and digital strategies, as you just mentioned. And that's a big, big sentence there, you know, thought leading in the sense that you know, we're constantly looking three to five years out, which is what you have to do in these kinds of transformation efforts we talk about. Um, as well as boutique, we're not the size of a McKinsey or a Gartner, mm. and our goal is not really to, to do a big project and leave, but more rather to start that relationship uh, with the client and continue to really enhance strategies that focus on people, process, and technologies, and essentially in order to improve performance and amplify profits. So let's talk about uh, what FPOV did for OMAG because we had a big project. Um, some of our members know about this. They, they've signed into the new um, OMAG member dashboard. They've filed a claim online, et cetera. And that's all in a brand new system that is years in the making. And um, I, I kind of wanted to take a moment to you know connect this back into the work that, that we did here um, and how 
the FBLV piece kind of fit into all that. Can you describe the 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 part of the project that you guys were directly involved in and and help our our cities understand, you know, what where the value was in that to OMAG itself? Sure, absolutely. Well, um, definitely we were creating fertile ground right <laughs> before we made this the so-called leap. And uh, what we really did is we started with identifying the processes that uh, that OMAG has, uh, that has had for quite a while. And, and when you say processes, you're talking about things like paying uh, claims or... Paying claims, yeah. I mean, we, we could categorize it as utility billing, I mean, and as far as municipalities are concerned, payroll, public safety. I mean, mm-hmm. if you want to unpack what a process is, it's really just a set of actions that lead to a result mm-hmm. and not to really... Um, associate with a policy which is a list of rules which we all know about those or or maybe procedures which are a list of instructions but really it's just understanding what a simple process is and who's doing it what technologies are being used and what steps are being taken to to fulfill that end result so now why is all of this important why you know why is it necessary to to understand all of this work i mean i've you know, this is obviously a rhetorical question. You and I are old hands at IT, and yeah. we've had our fair share of projects where you go buy something and then later out later on figure out if it was the right thing to buy. But it, help me understand: is this the direction that that people should be going before they go buy a big IT system or a piece of software? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I think it was in Alice in Wonderland where they said, uh, you know, here we must run as fast as we can just to stay in place. <laughs> Uh, but if you want to go anywhere, you have to run just twice as fast as that. So, you know, and I think the problem is, is that we want to run twice as fast. And then we have to, you know, we kind of forget that there has to be fertile ground there. I keep saying fertile ground mm-hmm. because that is so, so important. And we have to consider, you know, a lot of things like environmental factors, you know, things that are going to influence really our strategy. That could be cultural. That could be your macro trends. It could be what our pain tolerance is. Mm -hmm. Going through this process, mapping efforts, if you will, you'll learn a lot. Mm -hmm. You'll learn a lot about what the things you didn't know. And through that process, you get a true identification of what the current state is. And so you have a baseline to start from. And Mm -hmm. then, then it helps you define that future state. You're not just jumping out there and trying to leap across the pond without having that fertile ground or get stuck in the mud. <laughs> I see. So tell me, give me an example, uh, you know, for our municipalities um, of what a, a bad process might look like. Or if you were to you know, wander into some kind of environment, a city, a company, and they had asked you to. Uh, walk their processes and you, you find out, oh man, this secretary is holding on to this piece of paper for three weeks before she passes it on for this signature. And uh, I mean, what, what's, what's one of your favorite uh, uh, horror stories of, of <laughs> waste or of needed process reengineering? Ooh, well, there's been some interesting ones for sure. Um, probably the most successful, but the worst at the same time was really just unveiling a thousand dollar mistake that somebody was making uh on a monthly basis oh that added <laughs> the good thing is that is that it was caught but um you know also in addition where we have basically just a process where it's really just one person doing the actual steps mm-hmm. that's very very manual 
there's nobody else involved. Uh, there are other actors that are involved. When we say actors, those are other folks that are that have a uh, that perform a step, if you will, in a mm-hmm. process. And it's just one line, one person just doing all the things. And that, that's typically um, kind of the worst case scenario because you're obviously not using uh, your resources, or maybe you just don't have them. Yeah. And the reason is, is well, we've always done it this way. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. You know, and. Let's be honest. We people don't like change. <laughs> I mean, in the business <clears throat> setting, to some degree, it's, it's a tough. I do think it's important that instead of a swear jar on your desk, you have a "we've always done it this way" jar. <laughs> and every time somebody says that, put a dollar in it. Right. <laughs> and and I think that's kind of what we're getting at too. Is that you know part of what we've we've tried to accomplish here at OMAG is really understand before we go out and buy a new IT system, a big piece of software, and then spend. 18 months implementing it and changing all of the way that our members get to it is we really need to understand what the what those processes should be and kind of walk me through the steps that you did here at OMAG and help us understand um, just kind of what that looks like. Yeah, yeah, sure. So we developed a, a process inventory, you know, once you guys had a pretty good handle on what a process was and how to differentiate it from policies and procedures. So really, it's just trying to group everything into buckets, like we said. You know, is it is it claims administration? You know, is it finance? Is it underwriting? Mm-hmm. And really, just start to kind of build this what we call an iterative uh, process inventory. Because once you start to do the process mapping, as we call it, you'll notice that you'll kind of get your altitude and your boundaries identified, uh, and so therefore your inventory is going to change just a little bit. But the key thing was is to find the uh, the actual owners for the accountability and just to make sure we have some governance over those. And what we really did with you guys is we found out you know who our subject matter experts were, and we did um, the interview process mm-hmm. and for each of the processes. And we did it in a framework called SIPOC, uh, Lean Six Sigma concept that yep. works very well. It stands for suppliers, inputs, process, output, and consumers. And it just allowed you guys to define the boundaries of your processes. Because a lot of times people say, hey, look, Chad, we have a work week, um, you know, uh, or maybe the work week has us. And we just get stuff done. And so this really helps you uh, differentiate what process uh, from another. And so they don't all run together and mm-hmm. you get confused and you have a little bit of analysis paralysis, right? <laughs> so really it's just getting those, those, um, true SIPOC interviews established, um, uh, to where you get enough information to where you're not too granular because you could do it all day long. Right. Yeah. But it's, I walk this piece of paper next door. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and you start getting to those so-called procedures that don't really hold that much value. And that's the question you have to ask yourself is what's the value of going to this level of detail? Mm-hmm. Because if our insights are, um, you know, too high of a, of a level, they're not that valuable. But essentially we take those interviews and we, we transition the, those SIPOC uh, diagrams into what we call swim lanes. Mm-hmm. And that's just a visualization high level to to some degree of a process that shows who's doing what and what step and also with what technologies Mm -hmm. you take that out you blow it up on the wall you print it out you start looking at it right it's a bit iterative as well but what we do is we figure out what are the pain points and it's interesting whenever you are uh, trying to go through that side plot process and get information from people 
the pain points come out easily. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, and so I <clears> this think, person's got 12 things to do. Yeah. Exactly. Enough hours in the day. Yeah. Right. And, and so and people love to to talk about uh, things some sometimes whenever you make it a comfortable setting, they'll mm -hmm. make it an interrogation scene. And sometimes it helps <clears> having somebody like future point of view come out and and do that for you so it's like, no hey, skin in the game there's no wrong answer right yeah. exactly and so bring donuts that's always a good option that too. is true and <laughs> another good thing kevin i don't know if you remember that but uh show what you're typing up on a screen so everybody can see it mm -hmm. that way people are comfortable and it's not like we're taking these notes and we're we have some other agenda to, <laughs> to improve this process right but once you do the find the pain points we do something called waste walking and waste is just really uh things that are not efficient right mm. um like there's de there's defects there's waiting there's motion there's inventory over processing um overproduction and i believe transformation we've taken those that 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 concept that is a lean six sigma concept and mm. makes it into more of a white color if you will types I, of ways i was gonna say this all started because i'm i'm i've got my green belt in fact yeah. and are you a lean six sigma no i'm not actually oh okay um so the uh i remember a little bit from that class and it was a long long time ago but the idea that this all started out with factory floors and assembly lines and trying to be as efficient as possible but all of the principles around it can still work in an office setting and can still work with data and information and uh you know making sure that citizens members customers uh get the information they need or putting the information into whatever mm -hmm. system we use as rapidly and efficiently as possible that's right yeah yeah it's um it's pretty much the same song <clears throat> and dance you know i think honda is the one that uh initially started this concept and uh, it, it has kind of bled over into what we call the white collar setting, so to speak, or the office setting is probably the, the best way to put that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's just really amazing once you start listing the amounts of just overproduction, you know, and, and people doing the same thing essentially uh, with a different task, you know, and it's, it's, it's just really eye opening. And you start looking at these things and you say, man, we got some issues with these types of waste. You know, what is the issue? what risk does it bear to the company mm. for the organization and what are the opportunities that we have to to fix this and that's kind of what we call iro analysis mm. and we typically do that for every piece of waste that's identified and just really kind of sit together and think about how can we make this better especially if things have a high level of risk associated with them. you know we need to get it on those things um, pretty quickly and a lot of times you can agree on some of the short-term versus long-term solutions and, and risk in these cases you're you're talking about things like um lost data or making the wrong decision or, or losing a thousand dollars a month or <laughs> right absolutely it's somebody's safety uh, as well yes uh, anything that uh, can have wrongdoing mm -hmm. To your your organization uh or at least uh, you know make your processes ultimately inefficient which we're seeing far too often and you know from our vantage point too our, our big piece was trying to understand what we had to understand if you know what we did to understand if the system that we had was the right system and ultimately we decided there's got to be some better options out there that process mapping gave us the the foundation to understand and, and to help other vendors and software vendors understand here's what we do can you sell us one of these exactly and yes. you know from my vantage point not being a 
claims person or a finance person or an underwriting person. The, the idea that I could hand them a pile of documentation and say, look, I don't really understand all of this, but you guys do. And we were able to interpret all of this stuff, all of these processes, all of these swim lanes into something that you guys can then use to tell us, okay, yes, we'll go build you one of those and it's going to cost this amount of dollars and we'll make sure it works because now we know what you need. Right, right, exactly. You know, it, it serves uh, uh, kind of two purposes, really. And uh, in these surf, uh, what we call surf, it's software replatforming. Mm. <laughs> we like to make up really cool <laughs> names at FPOV. Fair enough. I wonder why. Um, <laughs> and so, really, when you do these large pl- replatforming efforts, like finding a new Remus solution, mm-hmm. uh, like you guys did, really, you're able to elicit requirements, and that's really what those long-term solutions are. You know, sometimes you have low-hanging fruit. And you, you know, someone with an IT background like you, Kevin, can say, "Oh, well, we can take care of that with um, you know a SharePoint solution or or something easy, not to get too technical." Yeah. And then some things are like, "Ooh, well, that might be a requirement for the new Remus platform." Yeah. And that's what you guys did essentially. Also. Whenever you do choose a vendor, they're going to ask you for, hey, can we see your processes? Mm -hmm. And so that also helped you out through your implementation. Saved us a lot of time, Mm -hmm. honestly. Really kind of gave us a boost in that that implementation phase, uh, having all that already there. OMAG All Access would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. For your time, we would like to offer you the chance to win a pair of OMAG all-access Bluetooth headphones. To enter, all you have to do is head to www.omag.org forward slash all-access and click on the corresponding image at the top of the screen. The password for each episode will change, so make sure you are always up to date on the newest episode of OMAG all-access by subscribing with your favorite podcast app. The password for this episode is mapping. Follow the directions on the giveaway page and you will be entered. Good luck. That's that, that's why we do it. You know, it's um, it's part of kind of what we call our vendor selection. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't do it, then it's just going to take extra time and effort to do it later on because they're going to have you do it no matter what. <laughs> now, this stuff, I mean, you, you talk about printing out all these swim lanes, these process maps, these diagrams, you know, throwing them up on a wall somewhere and getting the key players in. I mean, this this does not sound thrilling. I mean, you know, we, we do in IT here in the state, we, we love to talk about the, the cool projects, you know, fiber to the home, um, uh, cities that are using cool ways to, to reach um, citizens in their homes through Facebook Live and stuff like that. We love to talk about some of the newer innovative uses of technology, but you know, this is not that conversation. And, you know, why is that? I mean, why do we have to start with this, with process mapping, with printing out of these big dry documents and sticking them on a wall? Sure. Well, you know, me just personally, I'm all about root cause analysis Mm -hmm. with anything. And, you know, if we use the acronym of RCA, if we dare, um, you know, that is a big part of it. You have to get down to the bare bones of really what's going on. And it's just amazing what you do find out. There hasn't been one time that uh, I've been involved in these process mapping exercises where someone says, what, you're doing what? With what spreadsheet? I didn't even know that existed. Right. Yeah. And it's just going through that process and actually, you know, having to look at it with a different lens, you know, and, and 
realize that you actually have processes within your day-to-day life mm-hmm. um, you know in order to to and, get to that next level of transformation and this helps leaders IT leaders and, and oh, business yeah. leaders understand you know all of the activities under you know that are happening throughout the entire organization oh absolutely <clears throat> yeah it, it's good for onboarding new uh, employees you know it's like hey give them the process book Go look yeah. at the new processes you know and that's the key is to make these things where pretty much anybody can understand what's going on um if you're a fan of business process mapping notation which is just a language not, not really <laughs> I, a language. I mean who isn't a fan of business processing <laughs> mapping notation right. yeah so all that really means is you have a couple of uh i guess uh shapes that represent actions within a process map you and we try to keep that very elementary, right? You're talking about essentially a very standardized form of flow charting, right? Exactly. Yeah. It is a flow chart that uh, anybody can read and just understand, okay, this is the flow. This is the way uh, things are going, the way you know the, the actual sequential process moves. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just supposed to make pretty good sense. And, it, and it's an accurate memorialization of your process. And it's funny because, Kevin, once you actually see it, in a process map, you, you go, ooh, wait, I know I told you this, this is the way it goes, but now that I see it, um, I told you wrong. We need I, to change it, right? forgot about these three other steps, and don't forget about yeah. this, you know, uh, regulation that requires us to do blah, yeah. Right, right. You know, I, and from my vantage point, too, uh, we see a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities in, in some of our cities for not just waste, but also you talked about risk a minute ago. Things where, um, you know, for good cybersecurity, good financial and fiduciary management, uh, the idea that you don't have one person, you know, that only has their their grubby mitts in the uh, the finances, that there's proper oversight, proper auditability, stuff like that. And I mean, this this kind of gives you that kind of insight too: is who's doing what, who's responsible, um, and can start to to properly set controls that that then make your city auditable absolutely that's part of that process inventory exercise where you start really identifying you know what are our processes who's going to own this now that doesn't mean that they're in the day-to-day operations of that process every day Um, but if they're going to change the process they need to know about it and then they're going to make sure that it happens and they're held accountable yeah but yes it, it does provide some transparency you know that way not somebody that's been at the organization uh, for you know 20 plus years has all the information in their head and they're not going to share it and it's always a risk and what happens when they win the lottery they win the lottery <laughs> as i say they win the lottery and uh they forget about us and there goes all that knowledge so yeah yeah well and and my you know my last big piece and one of the big drivers i have behind uh behind this as an it initiative has always been that uh, as you say, I mean, we love the innovative projects. It's it's really neat to see smart city initiatives and, and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you've got to walk before you can run. And this is the type of thing that if you try to implement really powerful, innovative IT tools, and yet you can't do the basics, you, you know, in our case, the basics are adjust claims, issue policies, collect premiums. If you can't do that properly and your system's clunky or the data's wrong or unreliable, then you shouldn't be focusing on the big stuff. And I know, you know, there's this hesitation to want to run before you walk, but we just, you know, we can't encourage that for this, you know, this type of reason. What about all these other things that are going on that you don't even know are there that you need to address? 
Absolutely. Yeah. When you say walk before you run, sometimes uh, we find that our clients are doing things really well mm-hmm. down the transformation line. They have their three to five year vision, but then they're getting a foundation penalty on some <laughs> of the things that we would think, oh, you, those are basic building blocks that you should consider and do before you actually attempt these big efforts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, IT only exists to support the business. And if without those processes, without understanding what they are, it's it's hard to actually provide IT for any entity. And, you know, I always like to say that it it's easy for an IT person to concentrate on the cabling and the blinky lights, but that's not the important part. Those are there to serve a purpose, a function. And that's what we're talking about here is making sure that everybody, not just the IT people, but you know, leadership, et cetera, understands here are all the activities going in. Absolutely. Yeah. It's in you know, the processes serve as the, the true throughput and that allows IT to really uh, execute and uh, really know exactly, you know, what technologies are being used. Right. Yeah. And who's using them. Right. There's a little bit of governance that comes out of this, you know, to insight from that perspective and as well as uh, being able to find solutions to make things more efficient. Mm-hmm. Well, Chad, I want to thank you for swinging by today and talking about the the project that uh, you helped OMAG on. As always, we uh, in IT we eat our own dog food, so we you know we like to go through these things before we talk to our cities and towns about them. Um, and it was well, I'm not going to say it was fun. I mean, it it is a dry process, you know, to go through this, but it it's a necessary one. And I feel like we've got a better handle on what OMAG does and how to purchase it to make it do it better uh and thanks to you for helping us do that absolutely our pleasure and thanks for having me today all right thank you very much chad we hope you can take something away from this podcast that will help your city or town you can find more information about omag on our website at www.omag.org or on our facebook page thanks for listening If you have questions or ideas for a podcast topic, please send them to allaccess at omag.org. On the next episode of OMAG All Access. Exactly. I had a case recently. I had two cases for the same city. One case went first. They were both termination cases. The arbitrator in that case reinstated, but with nine months, no, no pay for nine months. The second one, frankly, the attorney on the second case did much better and really stress comparative discipline. I thought I was going to lose that case. The arbitrator still didn't like what the employee did, so he gave the exact same discipline as in the first case. Yeah. So it was comparative to the first case. Wow, that's a good point. This episode is copyright OMAG 2021 under the Creative Commons 4.0 Attribution Non-Commercial Non-Derivatives International License. For more information, please visit creativecommons.org.